I'm Sammy. And I'm Nicole. And And we we are Spooky Sleuths. Hey guys. Hello. Welcome back to Spooky Sleuths. We're so excited that you came back and are ready to explore this next story with us. We are going to be talking about the Dandy House in Hinsdale, New York, our first spooky episode. Let's just jump right in. The Hinsdale House is located in Hinsdale, New York, about an hour and a half outside of Buffalo. The house itself was built in 1853 by two brothers, David and Charles Everett. The house is a four-bedroom home with one bathroom, a large kitchen and living room, and a basement. There's a crawl space upstairs above the kitchen as well. There's a beautiful pond on the property and a fire pit that would be perfect for a fall evening. The property itself is beautiful and secluded. Going off the main road to get to the house, the drive is spooky on its own. We arrived at the house in the dark and it set the vibe for the night when we investigated in November of 2023. Before we get to our investigation, let's review some history about the house and the land, shall we? Let's get into it. Not going to lie, if I didn't know the house's history and the spookiness and everything that happens there, I would want to own that property. It is gorgeous. So beautiful. The builders of the home, David and Charles Everett, were actually suspected serial killers. The house sat along a stagecoach trail where travelers would pass through frequently. These brothers would offer the stagecoach passengers a place to stay for the evening in their home. And when they agreed, the brothers would rob, rape, and murder the travelers. It is suspected that the brothers kept the bodies of their victims in the home, in a crawl space above the kitchen, and in the basement during the winter months. When the ground would unfreeze, they would bury them on the property or even bury them in the basement. The current owner of the house, David Klass, has unearthed several bodies, utilizing ground-penetrating radar technology to locate them. Now, the Everett brothers were not the only ones responsible for death on the property of the Hinsdale house. The land that the house is on was once the site of a Native American massacre. The Hinsdale area was home to many members of the Seneca Native American tribe, which through investigations, it has been said that members of this tribe remain on the property in spirit, which we actually got some of that as well. Yeah. The land is thought to have been a sacred burial ground, and we all know not to mess with sacred burial grounds. But everybody does. It doesn't make any sense, and it's always haunted. Let's not mess with them. So, of course, when disrupting the land to build a house or to put in a pond, you never know what you're stirring up. Now, because we want to be fair and completely honest, not just telling one side of the story, there is speculation about the truth of this. Researchers have stated that there is no evidence that the land was a burial ground. The owner, Daniel Class, believes that it is a burial ground. We just can't prove one way or the other. The next story of the property surrounds the hanging tree that is located behind the house up in the woods. This tree was where many people... Are you... Are you... (laughs) Coming to the tree... (laughs) This tree was where <laughs> this tree was where many people were hung back in the 1800s. Even the Everett brothers are said to have hung people using this tree. Another story is of a young pregnant woman being hung there. Today, visitors leave gifts at the tree, including tobacco, dream catchers, bracelets, anything that can be received by the spirits on the property. 
One thought behind leaving the gifts or offerings is that it will encourage the spirits to communicate with the investigators. I don't know how true that is, but I feel like it worked in our favor. I do. We we made a trip up to the hanging tree, left a cigarette. Uh, I was a little clumsy and broke a little piece of the branch off, but I apologized, and I feel like they were fine with me. However, as we were walking back down, be careful coming down the landscape stairs. <laughs> Because that, you know, after dark, in the middle of winter, they get a little slick. A little bit icy. And you might just, that last step might just whoosh. Take you out. (laughs) I'm not talking from experience at all. (laughs) (laughs) She didn't have a baseball-sized bruise on her back. It was awful. (laughs) The final piece of history that we want to discuss is the paranormal experiences of the Dandy family in the 1970s. Clara and Phil Dandy, along with their four kids, Mike, Beth, Laura, and Mary, moved to the Hinsdale house from Buffalo, New York. This was around 1970. It wasn't long before they started experiencing activity that would lead to the eventual exorcism of the home. The family experienced a range of paranormal activity, some of which was poltergeist activity. In her book, Echoes of a Haunting, Clara Dandy recounts her paranormal experiences within the home. These include disembodied voices, moving objects, shadow figures inside and outside the house, lights at night in the sky, and even car trouble and car accidents. In the woods, the family would hear drumming and chanting at night. The chanting sounded like Gregorian chants, which we experienced during our investigation. The daughters experienced the bulk of the paranormal activity. It has been said that knives would fly into pictures and scratches would appear on the girls. The activity became so unbearable for the family that they called on Father Alphonsus from St. Bonavir to assist with the home. Daniel Class states that Father Alphonsus took the dandy case to the church and received approval from the Vatican for a structural exorcism on the home. I still don't know how much I'm into that because... A possession is the possession of somebody's soul. Right. Houses don't have souls. So I, in in my head and my knowledge of exorcisms, I just really don't see the Vatican giving the all clear for a structural exorcism. A blessing. Okay. Yeah. So during this exorcism, there was, it said that there was screaming coming out of the windows and that the entire house shook. Now, I will tell you, a house shaking, 100% have experienced it in another haunted location that we'll talk about eventually. But screaming coming out of the windows, if I was driving by and I heard screaming coming from the windows, I would be very scared. (laughs) This exorcism failed and the paranormal activity just continued on. If the home is truly cursed by, say, Seneca Native Americans, it would make sense that a Catholic exorcism wouldn't be able to help solve issues with a different religion. Now, according to St. Bonavir archives, there was not an exorcism performed in the home, but a cleansing, just like Nicole was saying. This rite is different than that of an exorcism, and the archive states that exorcisms are performed on people, whereas cleansings are performed on structures. However, anything you read up about the dandy house, it's the one house that's been sanctioned by the Vatican as an exorcism. Right. But just to be clear, their archives do not classify it as an exorcism. 
The Danny family moved out of the home in 1974 after the failed exorcism, but did not forget the experiences they had there. One of the daughters, Laura, was most affected by the experience. And I want to just give a little trigger warning here. Um, they, in, The daughter, Laura, ended up committing suicide after leaving her home. Her spirit has come back to the home in child form, with her mother confirming that it is her from pictures that people have captured. The son, Mike, has also returned to the property as a jokester spirit in the home. He loves the Beatles and messing around with people who visit the home. Mike experienced a lot of activity, including lights, lights in the woods outside, things flying off the shelves. He even used a Ouija board in the living room. And during that session, a doll came flying at him. Since the Dandy family left the home, only one other family has resided there. Florence and Edward Misnick lived in the home until they passed away there. They passed away in the home and not long one after the other. Since 2015, Daniel Klaas has owned the home and has restored it to be used for paranormal investigations and research. So now that we have a good foundation on the history of the home, we wanted to talk about our investigation experiences with you. When we arrived at the Hinsdale house, we were greeted by a staff member who gave us a rundown of the rules and history of the house and the property. We were late getting there because we of were. traffic. It was crazy. <laughs> felt so bad. Thank you for waiting for us, though, if you're listening. <laughs> we we appreciate it. Um, so when we got there, we just set up our equipment. And I want to kind of just explain the dynamics of our group real quick. So it's obviously Nicole and I. And then our friend Alex. Hey, Alex. <laughs> she goes hunts with us. She actually helps us do research for this podcast as well. Yeah. She does some of the background initial research for us. And my boyfriend, Dave, who is also Nicole's cousin, uh, he comes with us and he has two daughters. They're both adults, but they come with us as well. And my dad. Dave's son also comes with us sometimes. Yeah. But he was not able to come with us to Hinsdale. And my aunt comes with us as well. So usually we have a large group of people. This time there was seven of us. So me, Nicole, Alex, Dave, his two daughters, and my dad. And just to clarify, Dave's daughter's names are Katie and Natalie. And Sammy's dad is Clint. Just in case you hear us say their names. So after we set up all our equipment, Nicole, Alex, and I, we were like, let's go get some pizza. So we left. And Dave, Katie, Natalie, and my dad, Clint, stayed they had activity the entire time we were gone. I swear we were seeing things through the trees. They, they tell you, don't look through the trees. But every time, I always look through the trees when we're ghost hunting. And it was like we saw eyes in the woods. And there was, there was nothing there. It looked like things were moving. Our REM pod was one of the most active tools we had throughout the entire night. But it started immediately answering questions, responding to the group that stayed at the house... And they also heard music coming from the back corner of the living room. We haven't been able to figure out where that was coming from, other than a possible music box in Mike's room. But they said that was sounded like it was too far away. So we haven't been able to de- debunk that. They also heard a lot of footsteps coming from upstairs. That's something that I heard the entire night we were there. When... Nicole, Alex, and I got back to the house and began investigating. We started in the living room 
again, the most REM pod activity and cat ball activity that I have ever experienced. The REM pod was going off like non-stop. In case you don't know what a REM pod is, it stands for radiating electromagneticity. So essentially, there's an antenna and when you get close to that antenna, lights on the actual pod will light up and it'll make a noise. It also detects temperature changes. And if something grabs it, it makes a really strong, loud noise. I have never seen a REM pod in any video I've ever watched, in any investigation we've ever gone on. I've never seen a REM pod act the way it did. Whenever you first turned it on, she turned it on, sat it on the coffee table, every single light on that lit up and stayed lit up. The purple, the red, the blue, all of them. It was crazy. So I also used an app on my phone called the Spirit Talker. I'm very speculative with phone apps, but I've seen this one used in different investigations that I've watched on YouTube, and it tends to work very well. So I'm I'm still skeptical on it, but I do think a lot of the answers we get out of that are accurate. Some of them are too spot on for what we are asking of it. Yeah. For it not to be at least semi-accurate. Yep. So we began communicating with a spirit named Jeff. Jeff was fun and playful, which of course made Dave and Clint very happy. They all joked around and it was very enjoyable. They gave him a nickname, Juicy Jeff. We'll insert a clip here. <laughs> they were really proud of me, of calling him Juicy Jeff. To the real investigator out there that's named Juicy Jeff, we apologize. After we started talking to Jeff, another spirit came through who wouldn't tell us their name. This spirit was more on the inappropriate side and did not want us in the house. They didn't stick around for too long, and we were back to talking with Jeff. After we finished our investigation in the living room, we decided to go outside and walk to the hanging tree. At the tree, we offered a cigarette to the spirits and some kind words, encouraging them to communicate with us. That's when we first heard the drumming and chanting, and I believe it was Katie and Natalie that heard it first. And we just, we, I heard it. I don't, did you hear it? I didn't, but it's worth mentioning that I yeah. am deaf to low tones in my left she ear. Is. So I don't always hear everything that the the rest of the group hears. You did hear it later on in the yes, night. Yes, it got loud. But she couldn't pinpoint where it was coming from, and I think it was coming from a different part than where we originally heard it. Um, we heard this multiple times throughout the night as we walked around the property, and it seemed to change where it was coming from as we moved around. I will say my favorite part of going outside, though, was when we walked past the zombie mannequins and my dad was so scared. He was not expecting to see a zombie mannequin outside at night. That is the only time I actually (laughs) saw your dad, like, physically jump. (laughs) It's hilarious. After the hanging tree, we decided to split up. Myself, Alex, and Dave went into Mike's room. This is where one of the best experiences of the night happened. Alex had felt drawn to this room all night and decided to play some Beatles for Mike while we were getting prepared to go in. Once we were... Alex was in there alone for a minute while we were all getting Mm -hmm. set up. 
Once we were ready, Alex sat on the bed and was preparing to do a spirit box Estes method session. The Estes method is when you are listening to the spirit box through headphones and are blindfolded. The sensory deprivation ensures that you cannot hear what questions are being asked, making your answers accurate. While setting up for the Estes method, the wind-up music box behind her on the headboard began playing on its own. We tried to recreate this by moving on the bed, pushing the headboard. By touching the music box and it yeah, would not Nothing go off happened. Unless you turned the little crank on it. Yeah. It would not go off. We decided that we needed to continue after this and she went under. As we did the Estes method, Nicole, you were setting up for everyone to sing happy birthday to Alex and I, because my birthday was that Saturday and Alex's was that Sunday. Now remember, Alex cannot hear anything we say or see anything we do. Suddenly, happy birthday comes through the spirit box. Dave and I decided we were going to step out of the room to see if the spirit just wanted to be in there with Alex. Dave asked if the spirit wanted to say anything to Alex, and she immediately said, thank you. We believe this because she played the Beatles music for him when we went in. She had that strong connection to the to him, and she went in and did his favorite thing, played his favorite band for him. I do believe Alex is a little sensitive because also yeah. the EMF reader went off all, all night. night long. Yeah. Like if Alex had a hold of it, like it would go off so constantly. After the session in Mike's room, we all gathered in the kitchen and asked the spirits of the house to join us in singing happy birthday by touching the REM pod. We also had the spirit talker wrap out. So Nicole asked them to sing with us and we took a couple minutes to start singing. Well, y'all took a couple minutes to start singing. But as soon as she asked it to, it touched that REM pod. Which took us for a second. That's why we didn't initially start singing. Yeah. And then, <laughs> then after they start singing, the REM pod stops and immediately through the Spirit Talker app, don't mess with me, comes through. <laughs> it felt playful, though. It wasn't yeah. a negative. It wasn't threatening. <laughs> um, it was like I, he was offended that the We were spirit, tricking it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like that it was singing by itself. Yeah. So after we had some cookie cake, we went upstairs to investigate. Dave and Nat and Katie went into one of the children's bedrooms. Nicole and I went into the other children's room. And my and Clint and Alex went into the parents' room. Now they're all connected. There's not like a hallway that they each go down. All the rooms are kind of just separated by walls, but the doors didn't really close. And I don't think the one room had a door on it. We really didn't get much evidence up there during this session, but we did capture an EVP that said go home on Nicole's voice recorder. We decided to head back downstairs and investigate more in the living room since that's where all our activity was happening. We continued to have conversations with Jeff and hear footsteps upstairs while in the living room. But I think the most active parts of the night happened while we were sleeping, or supposed to be sleeping, and in the morning when we woke up. Clint, Nat, and Katie slept in the living room while Dave, Alex, Nicole, and I slept in Mike's room. Now there are two twin beds in Mike's room. So we are not small people. Like <laughs> Alex is tiny, Dave is medium, and Sammy and I we're, we're not tiny. So yeah. you think- 
so you know dave and i went to one twin bed nicole and alex went to the other we're all smushed together and it, it was just a fun time <laughs> while we we're trying to fall asleep dave kept seeing shadows in the kitchen and moving around dave had a really hard time falling asleep especially since nicole and i were having a snore battle but the next part still has Dave freaked out. He said that he looked at me and my closed eyes turned into black holes. He could still hear me snoring and thought his eyes were playing tricks on him. So he looked away and thought if he didn't see me, he'd be fine. It's one of those that like it is it has been said by other investigators that the house will play mind tricks on. You. Yeah. So he thought that's just what's happening. It's fine. I just won't look at her. So he looked at me again. And my eyes disappeared again. And this time, a long, thin tongue came out of my mouth. A forked tongue. And at the end was a pitchfork. He was terrified. He woke me up and made me turn to the wall so he wouldn't have to look at me again. But he tricked me because he said, roll over so I can hold you. (laughs) Not roll over so I don't have to look at your demon face. At least he was nice about it. (laughs) We also put on a murdery podcast to fall asleep to. <laughs> we did. So we were probably not set up for success. Yeah. Well, before we went to bed, Alex actually asked the spirits to wake us up around 8 a.m. that day. And we asked them to do it nicely. 7 a.m. comes around and the music box from earlier in the night started playing again on its own. Right above my head. I, I don't think the spirits are aware of daylight savings time. So I think they were trying to wake us and up at 8. that just occurred. Yeah. I think they were trying to wake us up at 8 a.m. Now, Nicole's the only one that heard this, but we do have it on video. And it's a really funny video. It's, it's not that funny. <laughs> I flipped out. The minute that music box, I was instantly awake, which is hilarious considering the deaf person is the only one that heard it <laughs> i was the only one that woke up to it well in our room we'll we'll get to what the living room our living room folks experienced while we were sleeping but i heard it go off i'm instantly awake i start trying to wake everyone else up but i'm also not confrontational at all so i'm going dave sammy because I, I don't, I don't want to wake anyone up, but but she I, wants I us to be awake. I told them that if that music box was went off at all while we were sleeping, I was out. We were gone. So I start put my sock on. That I lost in the middle of the night. I was getting getting ready to get up, and then nobody else woke up. So I just I just laid back down. I was like, okay, you need to calm down. And then the girls who had been awake for this whole time, essentially. I didn't know what I heard, but I heard something <laughs> coming in at me. I was like, here we go again. And luckily, it was it was just the girls. It was just Katie and Natalie. But the look on her face was priceless. So, like Nicole said, the girls came into the room and explained that they have been awake for hours. Because we slept for about three hours. We went yeah. to bed about four. They did not get, like, any sleep. Other than when we were in there and they had passed out for just a little bit while we were still in the living room. They said that the kitchen chairs were moving all night long. They heard them being drug across the floor and moved. 
So we all thought since we were still getting activity in the morning, we should investigate a little bit before we had to leave. Now, for reference, we had to leave at about 10 o'clock. This was about 7, 7.30-ish. So we went upstairs again because we were still hearing things up there. And I left a piece of equipment up there that I thought the ghost had moved, but I checked the videos and it was just me. We asked the spirits if they wanted us up there. And then we all heard someone run down the stairs and ring a bell that was on the door of Mike's room. Dave was the only one downstairs and he was asleep. So we were kind of concerned about him whenever we heard something run down these stairs and smack the bell right outside of Mike of the room he was sleeping in. So Katie and I took off down the stairs. Something grabbed a hold of Katie's hair and yanked. So just all kinds of <laughs> warning bells going off. Mind you, this isn't a dark. It's daylight out and we are still getting this activity. So we go down, we try to wake Dave up, who has not been asleep for long at all. And he's hard to wake up anyways, because he does not sleep. And Katie finally gets him up, and we go back upstairs to rejoin. We never really, that's like the only activity that we really experienced upstairs. We didn't, and anybody else's story you hear, like all their activity is upstairs in those rooms, but we just didn't get any. Yeah, and that's not saying that activity doesn't happen up there. No, just that particular night, it it was focused in really in the living room room and in Mike's room. Yeah. So after all that, we packed up our equipment, took some pictures outside, walked around the property, and said our goodbyes. We always try to close our night by saying goodbye and telling the spirits they cannot come home with us. This is so important for our protection. We love investigating, but we do not want to bring anything home with us. I'm pretty sure that Nicole's husband would make us both leave if we brought something home (laughs) we would we would not be welcome home and yeah so he doesn't care that we go he doesn't want to participate and that's fine but (laughs) he he doesn't want us to bring anything back yeah and we don't either like that's one of my biggest fears whenever we were at hinsdale house like if you look into it and listen to other people's podcasts and videos They talk about a very, very dark feeling. And I'm going to be totally honest. I didn't feel that there. Like, whatever, like, darkness a lot of people feel, we just didn't feel that night. The only time I felt, like, any pressure and any offness was whenever we were up at the hanging tree. That is the Mm -hmm. only place it it felt different to me. Yeah, I agree. I have been in a house. We both have been in a house that we love to investigate. And we felt that dark, oppressive, heavy feeling that you get as soon as you walk in there. And I just didn't get that at the Hinsdale house. And that, to me, makes me want to investigate there more because I'm not worried about getting possessed by a demon. I'm not worried about, you know any negative spirits that may be there because it just felt fine. Like we dealt with some very inappropriate sexual like activity, Mm -hmm. but it was nothing sinister. And I'm not discounting anyone else's experience. Right. Everyone's going to have a different experience. Just the beings that, you know, we were able to come into contact with and we just didn't feel that. And yeah. I think that that says a lot about the intentions we always set 
before we even start an investigation. Absolutely. We always go in wanting to just be open to communication. We aren't going in there to make any spirits angry or offend them in any way. We're just there to learn about them, learn about the the history and really you know, just see have if a good we conversation. Yeah, you know, I can just try and contact. Yeah. I I think it was a really good night there. We got we had some really great spirits come through. Whoever Jeff is, we we really appreciated talking to you. <laughs> <laughs> so there you have it. That was our crazy night at the haunted Hinsdale house. If you're interested in the paranormal, we definitely recommend taking a trip to it. Whether or not all the stories are true, we had amazing activity and think it is truly haunted. They all oh, we forgot to mention, and I'm just interject here. They also have trigger objects there yes. that you're able to utilize. They have a picture of um, Father Alphonsus. Yeah. They have different arrowheads, spearheads, just different things, you know, your typical crucifix, cross, different stones. It, it's really neat. It is. They have a good little case of objects there. You are welcome to use whenever you're staying there. Yeah. We actually want to go back for a two-day stay and learn as much as we can about the spirits, especially our friend Jeff. Thank you guys so much for listening. We hope you really enjoyed this episode. And on that note, stay Stay spooky, spooky, friends. friends.